This episode of Hot Take Theater with Chris Peterson is brought to you by Stitch Fit, personal styling for everybody. Find your fit with pieces hand-selected for your personal style. Get started today at stitchfit.com. Shut up and sit down. Welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of Hot Take Theater with Chris Peterson. I am thrilled and excited and every adjective you can think of that you're joining us for this very first podcast, which should be historic, hopefully. We'll see. I mean, I've got big plans for this podcast, and who knows where this could lead to. I, about five years ago, I said, I'm going to start a theater website. Who knows what that could lead to? And now it's the most popular theatrical blog in the entire world. And I, I feel like I can say that. I mean, if you look at our numbers, we're, we're attracting about a quarter of a million readers per month. We have a Facebook newsfeed reach of about 4 million right now. So when I put out a status, that's how many people are seeing what we're putting on Facebook alone, which by the way is outnumbering all the other theater websites almost put together. So I feel pretty confident in saying that we are the most popular theater blog in the entire world. And that's mainly because of you folks that are listening to this, that are reading our work. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast, because you deserve more. You deserve more content. And that's what I want to bring to you on Hot Take Theater. And so Really quickly, before we get into everything I want to talk about tonight, because again, I mean, it's called Hot Take Theater. You know I got some hot takes for you this week. Um, I want to talk about what this podcast is going to be all about, why I'm doing it, the whole nine yards. So last year, we started the Onstage Blog Network because I wanted to start creating a network of podcasts and vlogs and other type of material where you could come and listen to different types of podcasts that you don't normally hear within the theater industry. And so far we've done, a, I would say, an okay job of that. We've got the movie musical Shakedown, which has taken a brief hiatus, but we're kicking that back, back into high gear in a couple weeks. We've got you know Desperately Seeking Entertainment, the box office preview, enter stage left, stage directions. So you've got a nice little selection of podcast there. We've got a new one coming out called Are Your Parents Proud of You? It's a great title. So got some good stuff there. But I started to notice, especially with a lot of other podcasts that were starting to come out, that they were all kind of the same thing where it's, you know, everything's perfect. We're all happy. It's all, you know, everybody loves each other and things like that. But we're not talking about the the real problems, the actual issues that are out there. Because The theater industry is just like any other industry out there. It's just like the automotive, manufacturing, finance, medical. There's there's the good and then there's the bad. But I think more unlike other industries, the theater industry tries to sweep all that bad under the rug. And that leads to some additional problems, more problems, continued problems, and serious issues. And so... What we've tried to do at Onstage Blog, really over, since we started about five years ago, more than five years ago, was to shed light on those topics. And we've done a good job of that. And that's really become 
our our reputation. I mean, whether people like it or not, that's our reputation. And some people think that we stir the pot too much. Some people think that we go digging too far to find these things. I'll be completely honest with you. Very rarely do I have to dig. That's the honest truth. Normally, it's just there. You just have to notice it, talk to the people involved, and report on it and talk about it. And hopefully it doesn't happen again. Or hopefully the abusive, unethical behavior stops. That's, that's the perfect world scenario. So this is going to be an extension of that. This podcast will be an extension of what we bring at Onstage Blog. And what I'm going to do is, I'm going to, I mean, I might do this every night. I might do it three times a week. I'm definitely going to do it more than once a week. I promise you that. It really depends on the news cycle and what happens. But this is, we're going to be doing a lot of these, I promise. And every single time, I'm going to bring honest opinions about what is going on in the professional, amateur, community, high school, college, theater world. Because these are important topics to talk about because not enough people are talking about them. So I'm going to be bringing the honesty. I'm going to be bringing the heat. Some of my comments and opinions might be controversial. You may be listening to this and you might disagree with about 80% of what I'm saying on this podcast. But the important thing is that you're listening, that you're engaged, and that we can start a dialogue. And hopefully it starts a dialogue for change. Maybe. Or maybe not change. I mean, who knows? Maybe you don't like what I'm saying and you don't want to adopt any of the things that I'm, I'm proposing and stuff like that. And that's fine as long as you're listening to these opinions. That's the, that's the thing that I think that we've lost in this country is that we've stopped listening to each other. We tend to just say, you know what? I'm not, I'm going to block you on Facebook. You're, I'm going to unfriend you and blah, blah, blah. Just sit and talk. One of the best things in my life was Facebook during the 20, uh, I think it was the 2012 presidential election. Because that's where I got to sit down and I really had debates, long dragged out debates with Facebook friends that were on the other side. And for more times than not, they helped me see different perspectives. Now, I might not have still agreed with them at the end of it, but at least I was listening, hearing their opinion. And to be quite honest, they helped me evolve on a lot of different topics. So, like I said, this podcast's purpose, this show's purpose is to get you to listen. So if people are saying, oh man, Chris is just saying this because he wants people to listen to him, you're 100% right. <laughs> like, and by the way, anybody who does a podcast, writes a blog and stuff like that, you are 100% right to say they are just writing that to get attention because yes, I want to get people's attention with this show, with this blog, the whole nine yards, so that this way we can somehow, who knows, maybe impact change down the road. But it starts with a conversation. It starts by hearing these opinions. So like I said, this will be a controversial show. I will definitely do my best to have guests on this show. That is definitely an a, um, intent of mine. I can't guarantee that anybody will feel, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, safe enough to, to come on this podcast because I'll be honest with you, some of the things I say, if I was a professional performer trying to make it my living as an actor in New York, I guarantee you I would be uncastable with what's going to be said on this podcast. I would be blacklisted from 
you know, every casting agency you can imagine, every talent agency you can imagine, every producer in New York City would be like, oh my God, stay away from Chris Peterson. He's too much trouble. And that's exactly why I'm the perfect person to do this podcast. That's why Onstage Blog has been the perfect blog for the past five years for these types of topics because myself and almost every single person that writes on that blog are folks that aren't actively seeking a professional career in theater. So therefore, the ramifications that normally one would feel about saying such things, those don't exist with us. We're not worried about that. Unlike Playbill and Broadway.com and Theater Mania that rely on positive relationships with the powers that be, not only on Broadway, but in every professional theater realm, we don't. I just don't. So if you hear me talking smack about Scott Rudin, if you hear me talking smack about the Broadway League or other theater owners and things like that, you're going to hear it because I'm not worried about it. I've just, I've never been worried about it. And that's what's going to make this podcast so unique. So again, what you're going to hear is genuine. It's not going to all be negative, I promise. In fact, I'll tell you why in a little bit, but it's not going to be all negative. What you're going to hear is genuine anger and protest, but at the same time, you're also going to hear genuine praise. We will be talking about folks, theaters, shows, what have you, that are just doing amazing things both on stage and off. Because I do feel that people sometimes aren't getting the credit that they deserve. So I'll be searching for positive stories, uplifting, inspiring stories to talk about on this podcast because that we need that right now. We need positivity. In fact, I'm going to guarantee you one thing. So on this podcast, no matter how negative or angry or fiery I get, I will always end the show on a positive story. My promise to you, we will always end on a positive story on this podcast. I'm going to let you go with a positive story. Promise. Okay? So like I said, we're going to get fiery. It's going to be crazy. But I promise you, we're going to end on a high note. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into some of the hot takes that I've got for you this week. Um, We're going to keep it short and sweet because, again, this is the first episode. I don't want to bombard you. Um, I I want to strike while the iron's hot, so to speak, and not bore you to death just yet. So we're going to keep it kind of short. Typically, what I'll do is bring three or four, five sometimes topics that are relevant, that are breaking news, that are really issues that need to be talked about right now. And this week I've got two. So the two topics I have for you this week. The first is, you know, we're recording this on a Friday evening, August 23rd. Today has been a really crazy, hectic day in the theater and dance community. If anybody saw this, this morning on Good Morning America, uh, host Laura Spencer, when reading uh, Prince George's school schedule, the son of Prince William and Kate Middleton, uh, his, his daily schedule, she noted that one of the classes that he would have to take was ballet, which, first of all, awesome that that's being offered at a preschool kindergarten level, which is just very cool. Second grade, I think, or second grade, second grade level. Very, very cool. But instead of praising that, she chose to mock it. Here's the clip. 
poetry, and ballet, among other things. <laughs> you couldn't contain how he looks so happy about the ballet class. Prince George, Prince William says George absolutely loves ballet. I have news for you, Prince William. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> As you can hear from her tone, from the audience reaction to her facial expressions and her tone and her laugh, she is mocking the fact that this little boy is taking ballet and apparently loves it and says that, oh, that'll change, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, the clip is just cringeworthy to listening to, especially if you're someone who loves dance, who is friends with male dancers, if you're a parent that has a male dancer. It's it's a hard clip to listen to because what it is, and I'm not I'm not exaggerating when I say this, it furthers the stigma that dance, specifically things like ballet, are is a thing that little boys aren't supposed to do. And that's that's ridiculous. It's 2019. It's ridiculous for that that's it's a ridiculous false statement to make. And Thankfully, the Broadway and dance community turned out in droves to basically tell Lara Spencer, you are incredibly wrong, you are incredibly disrespectful, and nothing could be further from the truth. And if it sounds like I'm taking this personally, it's because I am. I am the parent of a five-year-old son who took his first dance class this year, his very first dance class, and it happened to be ballet. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I was hoping it was going to be tap because tap dance is something I've always been fascinated with. Plus, we bought him tap shoes, so I was hoping he was going to be able to use those. But his first class was ballet. And guess what, folks? My son loved it. He had a great time. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't embarrassed. He had no idea that there was this stigma out there that little boys aren't supposed to do ballet. He actually went all the way and did a whole recital number at the end of the year which was adorable. He's five years old. He had a great time. For him, it's dancing and he's making friends. And it's a shame that people like Lara Spencer and her dim-witted producers that decided to write that segment the way that they did, because it's just, it's terrible. It's terrible. And, you know, I, I since this has happened, I've heard from Many parents who tell me that they're 8, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old you know, sons who take dance class often have to hide it from their friends because they're ashamed or embarrassed or afraid that they're going to get bullied. And let's be honest, folks. Nowadays, kids are being bullied for much less than taking dance. I mean, I got bullied based on the, the lunchbox I brought to school. I mean, it's... It happens. It's out there. And for someone like Lara Spencer, the comments that she made are so disrespectful and borderline dangerous that I am just, I'm I'm shocked. Now, I've been told and I've seen that she apologized on Instagram in a a message with flowers and a photo she put. I mean, okay. I mean, if that was me, I'd probably put out a video. Uh, I'd also probably have ABC say something as well to show that you're taking this seriously. But um, she apologized nonetheless. But I, I mean, 
I, I'm not letting it go. I'm sorry. I'm just not. Damage is done. But my message to parents that have sons that are dancing, to young men and boys who are dancing, please keep at it. Keep at it because the skill sets that you're learning now are only going to help you later on. It's been proven that dance can help with concentration, patience, strength, obviously, respect, listening skills, communication skills. I mean, the list goes on and on. This isn't like a brand new discovery. Dance can help in these areas. Confidence, self-esteem, my God, the list goes on and on. So keep doing it. And, and you know, my wife, who has been teaching dance at a local dance studio for over a decade, I have seen the students that have gone through her program, especially young men who have gone through her program, and they're outstanding human beings. And I do believe that being as involved in dance as they have been contributed to that. Also, they come from great families too, but I believe that that activity helped that along. Also, I work in higher education. I see high school students, high school dancers audition for dance programs all over the world. So I've seen the end result. Keep at it. Because I'll tell you, you walk into a college musical theater audition and you're a guy that can dance? My gosh. Because that's such a rare thing nowadays, because by the way, the Larry Spencers of the world, um, you're going to see scholarship opportunities open up for you. You're going to have schools fight over you because it is rare to find a good male dancer. I'm just going to say it. It's rarer than finding a good female dancer. It's just the way the numbers work out. So it does help. So men, young men, boys who are taking dance classes, there is nothing to be ashamed of. I promise you. There is nothing to be ashamed of. You should be proud to be a dancer. You should be proud to be taking ballet classes. I know I'm proud of you. I'm proud of my son. And this is an age. My son's at an age. Prince George is at an age where they should be trying out as many new things as possible. And as long as they're happy and having fun and being safe, that's something that should be supported, not ridiculed or mocked like it was on Good Morning America this morning. That's my take on that. Let's move on. Let's move on. So last week, a couple weeks ago, sadly, we're now living in this country where active shooting can happen at any moment. We saw it happen in El Paso, Texas. We saw it happen in Dayton, Ohio. And the results were just beyond tragic, beyond horrific. A couple weeks ago in Times Square, a motorcycle was going through Times Square. Engine backfires. I've, I've heard Harley Davidson's backfire. It can sound like a gunshot, especially from a distance, especially in a high echoed area like Times Square. And given the fact that this was just days after Dayton, Ohio, the shooting in Dayton, Ohio and El Paso, Texas, people were on high alert. People obviously thought that there were gunshots and panic erupted in Times Square. There were there were videos taken from, you know, 30 floor, floors above showing just mass crowds just piling out of Times Square. Um, it was just it looked horrific to watch. During the chaos, people ran to Broadway theaters and started banging on the outside doors 
begging to be let in for safety, which by the way, this is, a, this happened at like 10 o'clock at night when a lot of these shows are reaching the end of their, their productions. I mean, it's, you know, the climaxes the, are, are happening in act two during this time. So sometimes it's very quiet in these theaters, especially in a show like To Kill a Mockingbird. And to be in the middle of a show and all of a sudden hearing banging on the outside of the door, people screaming and begging to be let in, that causes a panic inside the theater as well. So everybody's panicking about what is happening because all they hear are noises. They they can't, they don't, they're not standing in front. They don't know that it's a motorcycle. They're just panicking. It's scary. And I heard from a lot of friends. They were doing shows at night. I actually heard from a lot of front of house people that were doing shows at night. I heard from people that were in the audience that night. It was scary. And this is the country that we're living in. And this is the reality that we're living in. And regardless of what, what you know, where you fall on the political line, we need to admit the fact that we're now living in a country where active shootings can happen anywhere. And the sad reality is that we now need to be prepared for this. We need to be prepared. And one thing I have noticed is Broadway theaters, regional theaters, collegiate theaters, definitely community theaters, high school theaters, are not equipped or prepared for these things to happen. God forbid that they should. And it's terrible for me to say this, but they should. They need to. Um, Very inconsistently do I see security measures implemented at Broadway shows. Yes, some of the theaters do. I've I've had, you know, I've seen bag checks. People, you know, you you bring a bag or, um, you know, a purse or something like that. I've seen it being searched, you know, by security outside the theater but I've never seen a metal detector. Um, definitely at community theaters, definitely at regional theaters, I don't see that level of security. Um, I don't see any type of security personnel inside the theater. I don't see any law enforcement presence inside the lobbies or outside the theaters or anything like that. And the sad reality is that if someone wanted to do something seriously terrible at a Broadway production, Nowadays, they can. They can. That's just, they're able to. I work for a school. I work for a college. Every single year, we get updated active shooter training because part of my job is to literally walk inside of schools on a daily basis. Every single day, I'm walking into a different school. And I need to be prepared for the worst, for the unthinkable. And what I've learned, and by me all, me saying all this, I'm not obviously I'm not encouraging or suggesting anybody should do anything like this. But what I am telling you is the information that's been passed on to me, and that is people who do these terrible acts of violence that commit these terrible acts of violence. They have one objective in mind, and that is to hurt and kill as many people as possible in the quickest amount of time. And every time I'm sitting in a Broadway theater nowadays, that that thought does occur to me. When I'm sitting down in a theater, um, when I buy my tickets to a theater, 
uh, show or a Broadway show or a community theater production or something like that, and I have the ability to reserve my seats, I am picking the seats as closest to the exits as possible. I know I'm not going to get the best view. I know that I'm not going to, you know, I'm not center of, you know, orchestra or center mezzanine where you get the, you know, the best view of everything. But in my head, I know that if God forbid something happens, I am right by the exit. I do this at schools. When I walk in, I remember my route where I go, come in and how do I get out. Um, it is not crazy to have those thoughts nowadays, especially after what we saw what happened years ago at, in, in Colorado at the Dark Knight where we did have a shooting in a movie theater. So these folks, they want to do as much damage as possible in the shortest amount of time. And Broadway theaters are especially vulnerable right now. So it surprises me. It shocks me that not more theaters take steps to protect their patrons. And we're not talking about spending a fortune on new security protocol where we have to install cameras. We have to have, you know, a SWAT team inside the theater at all times. I mean, we don't have to get crazy protective. But just by taking a couple more steps to ensure the safety of your patrons, isn't that worth it? Look, we all know that the show is going to start around 8 o'clock or 7.30 or whatnot. And when the doors open, I don't mind as a patron of a theater, I don't mind standing in line a little bit longer if I have to go through a metal detector to have the peace of mind to sit in a theater knowing that no one is carrying a firearm in that theater. No one is carrying any type of weapon that could hurt me in that theater. That's worth it to me. That's worth it to me to see bag checks and things like that. So I'm surprised that if, if there's ways to make these theaters safer that would not disrupt, so to speak, the performance aspect as you know, very much. Why not do it? Why not do it? Why not have metal detectors outside theaters? Why not instill instill bag checks in every single theater? Why not? Um, I do think the front of house team needs to be refit. No offense to the ushers that do Broadway shows. These are phenomenal people, phenomenal human beings that most of the time volunteer their time to do that, to watch a show seven times a week, the same show. Um, in addition to ushers, I do think there needs to be some sort of security staff on hand in these Broadway theaters. I know some of them already have some, um, but it's it's just it's not universal. It's too inconsistent, and I think, God forbid, if something happens. Uh, you need to have proper security there. I mean, we've seen a couple incidents, you know, the past couple of years where you know, audience members have jumped up on stage to plug phones into outlets. Um, there was a production, I think it was with Kira Knightley, where someone tossed a bouquet of roses but had like an object inside of it onto stage from the balcony. The guy threw the the roses. I mean, God forbid something was, you know, inside the, the bouquet. Um We've also heard disruptive audience members that are asked to turn off their phones or uh, asked to stop taking pictures during Frankie and Johnny at the Claire de Lune. I mean, those people shouldn't have been asked to do anything. They should have been tossed from the theater. Uh, But security in Broadway theaters is way too lax. 
So I just think in this day and age that when everybody's thinking about active shooters, because that has now become a part of our life, it is going to happen. Gun violence in this country is going to happen every single day. That's that's the t- statistic. That's the fact. So if if the government, and again, you can you can fall on whatever side of this argument that you want, but if the government isn't going to step in and do everything they can to prevent these things from happening because they haven't, then we as a people need to be prepared and we need to be conscious of these things. So, like I said, when you walk into theaters now, think about the exits, think about where you sit, look where your exits are, and just know that. Just have that in the back of your head. Um, and it and this is where the Broadway League and other organizations can get really, really helpful by doing everything they can to make their theater safer. I'm just saying that they can. They should. Um, and that's that. That's that. Because one thing that I've seen, especially the, the school that I work for, is they have a lot of security protocols in place. And I've always, you know, early on I said, wow, that just seems kind of excessive. That's crazy. And I asked the head of security, why they have all these things in place. And he told me, because we want to be proactive and preventative of violence and catastrophe on our campus. We don't want to be the campus that instills this and implements this after something happens. We want to prevent it in the first place. And thankfully, they've done a really, really great job of that. I I want to believe that theater owners should feel the same way, that feel the same way. And they should. I hope so. I really do. Because, you know, like I said, we don't, we don't want catastrophe to happen and then these changes and plans are implemented. Why not implement it now and prevent them from happening? That's just, that just seems smart to me. So I'm hoping that they do this. I really am. So there you go. Because God forbid something happens. I'm just putting it out there. All right. Well, I promised you that I was going to end this um, podcast on a high note, and I, I'm going to deliver. So there's actually two high notes. I mentioned the whole Lara Spencer thing earlier on in this podcast and how terribly disappointed I was. But on the flip side, what it's resulted in is some amazing stories and, and images and photos and video and videos on social media of young boys dancing. I mean, we've got Broadway dancers that are sharing their stories of when they got started in dance. Uh, you're seeing videos of, of you know sons that are doing dance classes and recitals and things like that. So you're seeing this whole wave now on social media supporting boys dancing, which I think is awesome. So keep that up, please. Please, please, please keep that up. But the other positive story I want to leave you with is this. Um, this, you know, being in the end of August, beginning of September, this is the, typically the time when we start to see a lot of community theater productions, you know, either announce their seasons um, or start auditioning for their new seasons. And one thing I've started to notice, especially here in Connecticut, which I have to, you know, definitely give props to, to my local um, community theater community, I guess, um, is that you're starting to see a real emphasis being placed on telling new stories, bringing diversity into their seasons, making bold choices, 
you know, not doing as many chestnuts as, as they used to, um, and looking for new individuals, really making an effort to look and bring in new performers and artists into their theater communities. And I think that's a phenomenal thing to see. I've gotten countless emails over the summer from artistic directors and presidents of community theaters asking how can they attract a more diverse audition pool or what, what, well, what else can they do? And I think that's an awesome thing to see. I really do. And I know it's, it's hard. It, I know, especially in smaller communities where you might be the only, you know, theater in, in your area and your, your audience base is, you know, expecting well-known shows and things like that. I understand how tough it is to pick a bold season or, or do a somewhat obscure show that tells a good story or has an important message or includes a great deal of diversity and things like that. No one understands that more than me. I get it. So for those theaters that are doing it, kudos, kudos to you. I mean, my hat's off to you. Standing ovations all around. Keep that up, please. Because this is a time when I feel community theater can have more of an impact than ever before, where the arts can have more of an impact than ever before. And we need a diverse telling of stories. And I'm not just talking about racially diverse. I'm talking about situational. I'm talking about time periods. I'm talking about different types of you know able-bodied people versus handicapped and things like that. I mean, it goes across the board in terms of bringing diverse and making bold choices for your community theaters. So keep it up, please. I'm seeing some really great things in Connecticut and beyond. It's, it's encouraging. And like I said, the ripple effect from that is going to be huge because you, you, who knows what you're inspiring with your audience base right there. So keep it up. I promise you it'll, it'll have, you know, it's a, it's a roll of the dice, but it'll have positive outcomes. So keep up the good work. All right. So that's going to do it for us on this week of hot take theater with Chris Peterson. Like I said, this was the first episode, the intro episode. Believe me when I say I've got some stuff up my sleeve for the next episode that I'm just doing some research on right now before I kind of unload on it next time. Um, I have no idea how many times I'm going to be doing this per week, but I promise you it'll be you know a lot of episodes per week, almost daily. We'll see um, because there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to get through. So uh, we're going to get right to it. But you can hear this podcast and all of our podcasts at Onstage Blog Network and Onstage Blog com. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Red Circle right now. Also, we're on a bunch of other of these podcasting networks that just kind of tap into our, our RSS feed. So who knows where you might be able to find this podcast um, a couple months from now, but definitely on those three sites is where you can find it um, right now as well. But uh, if you have questions or if topics come up, or if you want me to talk and, and look into something, you can always email us at onstageblog at gmail.com. Uh, or at cpeterson at onstageblog.com. So I'm at both those email addresses. They're technically the same email address. But anyway, um, when we come back next week or the week after, or I mean, not the week after, a couple days from now, like I said, I've got some really hot takes on a couple shows that are coming up that, um, you know, you should, you should definitely look into for different reasons. I'll just, I'll just say it like that. But thank you so much for joining me on this first episode of Hot Take Theater with Chris Peterson. I promise you, this is just the first episode. Who knows where this is going to go, but I'm really looking forward to it um, because I think it can really help impact change. So 
that's that. Thank you so much. Again, really, really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon.